Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Allianz Leagues. Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie's GA podcast in association with Alliance. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined in studio for another show. We haven't been cancelled yet. Michael Verney, hello. Oh, how are you going? Yeah, one, one of many. Yeah, yeah. we're here for it. It's going to be a long year. Yeah, as Joe <laughs> Raleigh said last night to Joanne Cantwell. No, but we, you know, we've a lot of preparation done this week. I was getting voicemails from you. Voice messages, sorry, Michael's uh, preferred method of communication. Handiest form of communication. Oh, yeah, brilliant. you can literally walk down the street and leave a voice message. Or, you know, it's just, I just think it's Do people shoot heavy. you odd glances? Are you just walking around kind of narrating? Probably, and, uh, yeah. yeah. I don't really notice them, to be honest with you. But yeah, I just I just think it's unbelievably handy. Yeah, it just it could take you like two minutes to a text whereas like a 30 second voice message and you just get your point across yeah. so much better I it's think so as well, much yeah. more theatrical I know I have your head probably erect no I enjoy them my, 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 my eyes light up when I see <laughs> a Michael, right, Michael yeah, Verney yeah. audio message just drops into my into my phone just don't send me any X's or anything back <laughs> like that, please um, no, but you had a, an eventful Sunday night, early hours of Monday morning. You, you're looking well for a man who only went to bed at... No, this is this is the true professional that Michael Verney is for our listeners. An email dropped into my uh, inbox today at 5.20am, filing copy on last night's Royal Rumble as he teed up last week. So, so give us your whole Royal Rumble experience quickly. Yeah, it was... Um, it didn't probably didn't live up to expectations now, to be fair. It was, it was underwhelming at times, I would say. But the Royal Rumble And is, what's an underwhelming Royal Rumble? They, they explain that for our listeners. Uh, not enough... Uh, not enough of the legends returned, I would okay. say, on the night. Jeff Jarrett returned, actually, and uh, anyone that remember With him. the guitar. Yeah, yeah, he actually got a tar- guitar broken off his back, actually, last mm. night. But he returned, but he was one of the few kind of legends that returned, and it was probably a predictable finish. Uh, Paddy Power, I don't know who to have working for them, but they seemed to have the odds down to a T. Like, Seth Rollins, who was favourite for the Royal Rumble, was like... One to twenty or something outrageous, and he subsequently won. So they obviously have a mole, they obviously they have a mole, mole in yeah. the locker room or whatever. They but, have Vince's um, ear. But it was brilliant because uh, Becky Lynch, who's like the, she's literally the biggest star in the WWE at the moment. She's from Dublin. Um, she was born in Limerick, but she's lived in Dublin all her life. She was beaten in her title match at the start, and we were like, I watched it with five or six uh, friends. We have our own, uh, we have our own wrestling WhatsApp group. Actually, oh. yeah, the most active WhatsApp. So are you group just popping in voice messages into that as well? Uh, sometimes, yeah, the odd time as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the most active it's the most active WhatsApp group I'm in actually because oh they're all like proper marks like they'd be literally writing something about wrestling every day but she got beaten in her first match and like we were totally deflated and luckily enough there was a women's Royal Rumble after so she came out in that she wasn't supposed to come out in that and ended up winning that so it's bad actually she's going to probably main event at Wrestlemania against Ronda Rousey in front of about 82,500 people it's bananas and it's if class you, if you want to read more about it Michael filed some great copy on it earlier <laughs> if you can find it on independent.ie and just on that as well like the Finn Balor who's another Irish guy fought for a title the other, last night as well he was beaten by Brock Lesnar another UFC star obviously as well but yeah and it was a, a, a relatively good night for the Irish but it's amazing how like how like predominant we are even in wrestling like it's, yeah, the takeover just continues two questions before we move on to GA we're going to be joined by Conor McKeown of the Herald Tomas O'Shea uh, on the line for the football and Brendan Cummins for the hurling the best most ideal number to draw in the Royal Rumble to enter it is uh, 27 was the most was the statistically the best number you could draw up until a couple of years ago it's either 27 or 30 but uh, the couple of guys have won it from two Sean Michaels won it from either one or two and Ric Flair in the best Royal Rumble of them all won in 92 I think he was 3 or 4 I can't remember but he's in over an hour uh, second question which GA star would be the best in a Royal Rumble oh what a question um, 
Someone like Ryan McHugh would be fairly elusive, I'd imagine, <laughs> yeah, just because he'd kind of dodge around. He'd be like a little small cruiserweight. Um, maybe someone like Johnny Glynn would be pretty tough to get over yeah, top be. of. I always well, thought Francie Bell you would make a good oh, man. Oh, Francie Bell would be very good, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah, someone like that would be a real bruiser, wouldn't he, in fairness, yeah. Mm. That's a good one. I'll have to think about that a bit more, yeah, actually. Yeah. Make, maybe come back to you next we'll week. We'll put that out to our listeners, actually. Who would be the, who would be the best wrestler in, within the GAA? Which, which GAA star would make the best wrestler? Put that out to our yeah, listeners. Feel free to tweet me at Slattery Will or Michael at, at ML Verney, I believe. Yeah, M Verney's gone, so I used to always write ML Verney on my hurls for some weird reason, I don't know, so I just used that, yeah. Mm, it's right. start of Michael, end of Michael, so... It's a bit strange, <laughs> like me. Well, on that note, we'll move on to matters on field. Delighted to be joined in studio by Conor McKeown of the Herald. Conor, I guess the result of the weekend was definitely Monaghan beating the All-Ireland Champions Dublin. A surprise to many people, but you are fair were saying you expected it the whole time, so maybe not as big a surprise to you. Well, I suspected that it might happen, you know. There's only so many, uh, like, you know, like you, you can't have done any more work than you've done, you know. And, like, Dublin just didn't have a chance to do it. It was a long time since they won the All-Ireland. So it's a long time since they were together as a group until a couple of weeks ago when they came back uh, from their team holiday. Um, and, like, I know one of the really like impressive things about Dublin is their ability to win league games when they're not in great shape. Um, like, two years ago, they went to Cavan when they were just off the plane and beat them. Last year, they beat Kildare and Crow Park. But, like, Monon in Clonus is a different prospect altogether. And, uh, you know... They, they look like a team who are only just kind of getting their act together uh, tactically and the other thing was they didn't like it was interesting to see how well Monaghan used the offensive mark against Dublin because like for Dublin everything's about and I know for every team everything's about the championship this year but like they have even less priority on the league um, it's just about getting players right for summer and I don't know why any manager in that position would train under these new rules when you know they're not going to be there for summer. So I think if teams want to beat Dublin this year, the template is set by Monaghan. But sort of what value that is during the summer, it's hard to know. But Michael, I know the offensive mark mightn't be in place, but uh, I've seen a few people commenting that the ability to attack Dublin's full back line is something that could be used by other teams going forward. You know, there was a few goals in the Ireland final, a high ball went in, Tyrone won a penalty, Damien Comer, a high ball in the semi-final. Is that is there anything to that or, 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 are, we just, or are we just kind of looking for anything to go on? I think the latter there. I think since Rory O'Carroll finished up or kind of didn't commit for 2016, so that's what everyone's been saying. There's been no full back. Um, there's going to be a lack of height in the full back line. None of them may be over six foot. Um, it hasn't really happened, like really isolated incidents every now and then. But yeah, Donny Kingston last year in, in the in the Leinster final, and uh, if you remember Damien Comer's goal in the All Ireland semi final, and then obviously the penalty in the final. So like there are, but they'll do that to anybody. Like, do, Donny Kingston will do that to anybody. Yeah, like, but generally, yeah. what what tends to happen is that Dublin put Philly McMahon beside the big guy. They put Keno Sullivan in front of him, and between the two of them, they kind of spoil the ball somehow. Whether that's Keno Sullivan cutting it out from in front or the two lads just boxing up the guy who wins the ball when they come down but um, no teams don't tend to go after it and I mean and, and particularly with the defensive mark they probably will during the league but again like it's the law of diminishing returns once the summer comes and the rule is no longer in play well, well delighted to be joining the line for the first time this year by Tomas O'Shea and, and Tomas reading your column last Saturday in the Irish Independent you were hoping for someone to step up in the league to challenge Dublin to, to provide some ray of hope that we could have a competitive championship in 2019. Like, did you see enough yesterday to maybe give you an indication that could be the case or are, or are we just kind of reading a bit too much into a very, very early season result? Yeah, I think it is very early. I think um, Dublin are just back. They're missing a few players possibly. Um, but I, I wouldn't be reading too much into the result. No, look. Uh, from a Kerry point of view and, and Kerry or Dublin have to face Galway next weekend in Crow Park if they get their ship back in line there and then they face a long journey to Kerry I'm looking forward to the trip they have to make to, to Tralee because if Kerry go up to, to Cavan and look it is small the league it's all about championship here for, for Dublin there's no doubt about that but based on the last five or six seasons they've always gone well in the league they've always gone well in the league and I, I don't know is it as a player you'd be thinking like there is there are no chinks you're strong in the league then you you, you cool down and then you get ready for championship and they seem to time that run perfectly. But I tell you, if you put a few doubts into their minds early on and a few teams got at them, I still, I don't buy it. I don't buy yesterday that the Dubs are in trouble because of yesterday. I think it's very, very early. I think Monaghan are always a tough team. I think McManus and O'Hanlon coming on were the difference. Dublin were there, thereabouts for most of that game. Um, so I'm not getting too flustered. But 
Um, look, if it, if it, I think it'll make out for, like, at the start of the year, nobody's going to be looking too in-depth. Every team are now prepared in such a way for the league that it, it, you get such good games, quality games out of it, like Division 2, Division 1. The, 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 the absolute quality of fitness, everything is there. But I wouldn't get too hyped up on round one. Give it round four, five, and most teams will be in their stride. Most teams will have their foot panels available and you'll get a better picture. But it was, you can't take away from Monaghan. They're, 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 they're like, everybody's in the same boat and everybody had the same preparation. Uh, I think it is, I'd agree with about the mark. I, I mean, I don't agree with bring, introducing a rule and then taking it out for championship and all that. And look, nobody would disagree with the fact that you know, nobody has a problem with... I think the kick-out, actually... I was at two games over the weekend, and I think the kick-out will actually... Um, the goalie has to make that extra... It, it's, it, it, he has to make that extra 10 yards of a run-out. It does give teams, if they're tuned in, that less space to cover. And if they push up, I think you'll see a lot more balls up for grabs. Uh, particularly in the second half, Tyrone were obviously told they didn't like kicking that ball out yesterday in Killarney, and they were told in the second half it was Niall Morgan was kicking a lot shorter, and I don't think the Kerry fellas were tuned into it at all. At all. Um, I think that's one thing, and I, the, the big thing is like if these rules, like the sin bin, nobody's an issue with the sin bin, and I actually think, and a lot of people are giving out about the sideline. I think the sideline will actually work as well because it, fellas, um, the, Tyrone got caught twice yesterday, and they went backwards. But all this hype of, of fellas saying, well, if, if they have to kick it forward, everybody will lower back and it'll be just like kicking it against the wall. It's not what's happening like. What's happening is the sideline has been taken so quickly that if you, it's all about pace. If you move it quickly, you will, you will find, if you have to kick it forward, I think uh, from what I've seen, the rules are actually you know, quite good. And there's no reason why the, the forward sideline, the kick out and the uh, sin bin I can't understand why, if it's working throughout the league, if nobody has an issue with it, if nobody has brought it up, why can't it be just straight away implemented in the championship? And and we don't have, like Sigerson have a different set of rules during the week. I've got off the point here now. But um, I do think that a lot of the teams won't do the work around the mark because they know it's not going to be in championship. It's And it is, it can be huge, I think. Monaghan were the only team, there was no mark in Mayo, no, conditions were atrocious. There was one mark in Killarney yesterday, but Monaghan, I don't think Dublin are going to get caught like they did get caught yesterday because I think it did have a bearing on the game. And it certainly, uh, for Stephen O'Hanlon's goal, um, had a bearing because I think it's very hard on referees. You, they blow the whistle and the, the initially, like as a defender, your, your, your initial thing is, is to stop up. But if the player continues, like, you know, you saw it up in North in the McKenna Cup, but um, yeah, look, it was a great win by Manning, but I wouldn't get too too bogged down. Like I'd I'd read a lot more into Kerry's performance yesterday than I would Manning in Dublin performance. To be honest with you, just on on the dubs, actually, I just think I think what Tomas said is very valid as well. I think it would be interesting if they are beaten again and maybe a draw or something after, and they don't make the final. While the league mightn't be a priority. Just if they if they are beaten, the doubts do start to say in not just a small bit, and there's a bit maybe they're a bit more vulnerable. Maybe we'll other grab teams. Onto anything at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think like I think the, the kind of the, the the opposite is true or the inverse is true. It, it, I don't think Dublin are going to. I don't think Dublin are going to suffer anything if they have a bad league campaign by bad league campaign by way of confidence going into the championship because they know themselves what they're about and they know what they can do. But I think for the teams that beat them, it can be a huge thing because part of the yeah. part of the thing about Dublin that has been so impressive over the last six years is their ability to go and win league games and they've come back from really tight situations from miles down to win league games for no other reason than they were there to be won despite the fact that they weren't in great nick or they were missing loads of players they were just home from a holiday and it adds to the aura like it absolutely does the same way Kilkenny used to go around giving teams hiding this time in the last decade as well just for the simple fact that they were there to be beaten um, But you still don't think it would impact the team no, themselves no. if they had say two defeats three defeats I, no absolutely not but I, I think for say if, 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 you're, if you're Malachi O'Rourke and you or you're whichever manager says Kevin Walsh next week and you beat them in a big game you say to your players look there you are they're flesh and bone we're after going out and beating them um, because if you if you don't have any familiarity with Dublin in the league and you don't play them albeit an understrength version of Dublin there's very little chance you're going to go into Crow Park and then say right here we go they're in the whole of their health 
they're in the ground where they have such a good success rate. They have all their players back. You're going to go and beat them. I think it's a psychological thing for the chasing pack. I don't think I don't think Jim Gavin or any yeah. of the Dublin players will I'd suffer agree a bad with that. Week. I do. I don't think the Dubs will doubt themselves, and I think come championship time, the Dubs will be ready, etc. Then they have built up a confidence, and they have players. They have they have everything in terms of seven or eight or nine fellas. They're just constantly ready for battle, and they don't fear. In 2011, actually, we firmly believed that we were going to beat Dublin. Like it was nothing. We did everything in our power. We had that confidence. We had it built up. We were, were after winning four or five All Irelands, and we knew we knew we had it. Like. But we couldn't control what Dublin believed and what Dublin's ability were on the day. And on that day, they did they did enough to knock us. And they didn't. It, it, for what that did for their confidence going forward was absolutely massive. I think a lot of teams are beaten before they hit the field against the Dubs. And they, they don't. Like Mayo, for example. I know the Vaughan incident and everything. And, and it kind of um, was a huge bearing. Like those games, the Dubs haven't rattled any All-Ireland. And they don't have to win it by X amount of points. But there's no team that really believes going into the last 20, I feel, that they're able to take them. Like, like sometimes you'd say, Jesus, Dublin were really, really close there. Mayo were the team, I think, that really, really pushed them closest, but they couldn't cross the line. Is that a belief? I actually personally think it's it's that Mayo are lacking a couple of scoring forwards. But I think, you know, the Dubs will have to be, I think it's up to the other teams to actually really genuinely believe that they can crack them. Like, well, Michael, you know, with that being, them, sorry, with my, with my, that being said, Michael, like Monaghan yesterday, what will that result do for them? Because I still get the sense that even though they got to the semi-final last year, they only lost by a point. You know, I think a lot of people have mentioned they were third favourites to go down, so they're not really getting the respect of maybe some of the other marquee teams. But will this give them huge confidence now that they can take down Dublin. I'd imagine it would, like not even taking down Dublin, but just maybe going the next step or maybe getting to a final this year at some stage. And they seem to have added a few new guys as well. The, the fellow that got the first goal, uh, O'Hanlon, was it? Stephen, Stephen O'Hanlon, O'Hanlon, yeah. yeah like, and there's a couple of Shane Carey be a year older as well. And the fact that like Dublin were missing whoever, but McManus only came on and you know Fintan Kelly was brilliant out around the middle of the field as well. That should do them an awful lot of good. I do, I do actually disagree with the boys on the Dublin thing. I think... When you're when you're used to winning, well, Tomas will know a bit more because he was a serial winner. But I just think when you're used to winning, and then maybe it's taken away from you. Sometimes you can think, oh yeah, we'll, we'll come for championship, we'll come for championship, and maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't kind of happen that way. Maybe you're after having, suffering a couple of defeats. Maybe they pick up an injury. Then maybe maybe it's a bit harder to turn around and to maybe just flick it on a switch. But I just I think it would be interesting if they didn't get to a league final this year. They're finished. The league is different as well. <laughs> Says as Dublin journalist. <laughs> Teams take the league a lot more serious now. The quality, the, it, it's like championship pace. The, the fitness, it probably mightn't be what it is at championship time. The pitches obviously aren't, but the preparation. When I was playing league, there was no, like we didn't, it didn't bother us if we were beaten two, three times in a league. It, it absolutely had no um, impact at all at all on our championship. Absolutely none. And it was a kind of a, a tradition, not a, it was, a, I don't think it was a good tradition. Anyway, Jack O'Connor came in, he changed all that. The league was taken serious from then on in. But before that, it, the league was just to get the bodies right for championship. I think all teams treat the league like you had Kerry training like absolute dogs from what I've heard for the last two months to be ready for January uh, and the National League. And I think the league has a way better it's a way better competition I think the way it's structured is everything everybody loves going to the games uh, the amount of close games at the weekend again was phenomenal but in terms of I think you can gauge what's going to happen in championship a lot more than you could in the past yeah. the thing that I, is, I, I, sorry Tomas like, like Dublin are right if you want to do a calculation roughly speaking six weeks behind the rest of the Division yeah. 1 in terms of preparations if they went to Monon yesterday and beat them I think there would be something wrong hmm. like like if, if you have two weeks preparation against a team that has eight weeks preparation for the start of a league game particularly with that team being at home and All-Ireland semi-finalist Monon I think yeah. you'd, be, you'd, be, you'd be more worried if you were Maliki or Rourke yesterday hmm. and you didn't come out winning that game and just to move on yeah, to, I agree, yeah. to carry now, Tomas, uh, you mentioned you know how the training they've been doing. They won 11 points to seven in a fairly uh, dour game uh, down in Killarney. But Peter Keane mentioned afterwards that the defence was what he really wants to get right in this league campaign ahead of the championship. They only conceded two points in play. So I guess that was pleasing. But overall, like, what was your what was your first impression of Peter Keane and how he kind of set his team out? Um, it was dour, Will. It was very dour. Like it was, The rain was coming down. It was a poor match. Uh, actually, Jack O'Connor was standing right in front of me. He had a big umbrella. I couldn't see half the game because of him. <laughs> um, but, 
the first time he got in your way. Purpose, did, he, did he do that on purpose or what? But no, I tell you, it was it was a poor game. Like there was one point from play in the first half, right? And uh, people, um, like Tyrone set up a certain way. I think the same problems for Tyrone popped up. They yes, they had uh, McCurry up front, um, and he was on his own a lot up front. Uh, McShane came out the field. I think the same problems arose for, yes, they were missing Hampsey, yes, they were missing Colin Kavanagh, but they, they set up defensively. Um, McKernan was playing on the wing, but he dropped in a sweeper a lot. Uh, Rory Brennan, Brennan dropped in. They played their normal, typical game. What was different from Kerry, I suppose, and was their absolute work rate, I thought it was just jumped out. It jumped out. They were ravenous for it. They, like There was a lot of things not right with Kerry. I think they got the shape wrong at times, and, and Ganey was up on his own too often and the option maybe of kicking it in wasn't there he had probably you know he wasn't it's still early obviously and he wasn't as sharp as normal but there was a lot to be I thought the middle eight just worked extremely hard that half forward line uh, Sean O'Shea Jonathan Lyon um, Dermot O'Connor the young lad was in uh, but Dara Moynihan was a guy that really caught the eye and I think it suited Dara Moynihan because his man kept on dropping back as a sweeper and I think Kerry were a lot more clever in the way they moved the ball they kicked the ball a lot but Tyrone don't, Kerry wouldn't want to be getting carried away Tyrone were very very poor in that first half they were shocking they kicked one one uh, kick and it was Niall Morgan the wind wasn't huge like it wasn't as if they were playing against a gale of wind or anything but Kerry just absolutely were ravenous and I think their half back line especially Marley uh, Paul, Mur- uh, Paul Murphy and Tom Sullivan were brilliant um, and that's the, the thing that jumped out at me the big difference here was Kerry were like they didn't use the marker they didn't but they just got down and dirty and they got to a level where I think it's not going to be kind of it's not as if they weren't working last year but they made a count I mean Adrian Spillane and Jack Barry they weren't really on the ball so much as you'd like to see them on the ball by God, they they off the ball. I, I was looking at Kerry, and they they didn't throw in any towel all day long. They got a bit tired towards the end. There's no doubt about that. But um, I think it was just the manner in which they they faced up Tyrone. Everybody knows what Tyrone are going to give, and it was it was a poor game to watch. But Kerry matched them. The physicality they stuck with him. The intensity didn't drop. And um, it was there was some very good performances there, and Sean O'Shea was outstanding. He kicked one score on the on the sideline from 45 yards out the outside of the boot, underneath the stand. And um, I actually said to a fellow Morris Fitz wouldn't att- wouldn't attempt it, Morris Fitz obviously did attempt it and do it right. <laughs> but it was it was a great kick. Um, and he like this fella is still out of like the young lads are really Tom Sullivan, Sean O'Shea. Um, they they really stood up like there was James. I don't know who didn't start. Mike Ganey came on. There's a good panel there. There seems to be a buzz. It always happens when a manager comes in. There's a bit of a buzz there. Uh, fellas want to ramp it up. Even the older fellas um, would have to. When a new, I remember when Pat O'Shea came in. When Jack, well, especially <coughs> Pat, you wanted to prove it again, like. And um, without the six five Crocs lads, without Jason Foley, without. Uh, David Morn and without um, David Clifford obviously I thought it was a great start and if you go up to Cavan I know it won't be easy don't get me wrong they'll face a right tough battle above in Cavan but then if you get down you have nothing to lose against Dublin like I mean there's still going to be out bodies but I, I, it'll it'll early in the season it'll be a right good tough battle inside in Tralee if, if Kerry can go up to Cavan and and get a good result and it'll do confidence no bother at all Jack Sherwood was another fella inside a full back you know I think the, the, the question is still out yes they were a lot more defensive yes they were a lot more no sorry don't get me wrong they're not after putting back sweepers none of that they, they played very like Dublin in that the, the forwards will work back they don't set they don't take a forward back and place them there what they do is and what they did it was very obvious was Marley and Tom Sullivan held their places the two Tyrone forwards dropped back deep and everybody's saying oh Kerry are now gone very ultra defensive they didn't their half backslide stayed in the position that doesn't mean you're a defensive team if you're if you keep hold your position all it meant was there was that extra bit of cover there when they came back and their half hours kept coming back deep working hard how many times did we see Mannion back I do not think Dublin are a defensive team and I don't think Kerry are gone ultra defensive all of a sudden. They tackled harder, they worked harder and they kept 
their positions in the back line and suddenly people you had probably last night coming out saying they're actually gone ultra. they're not they're not there was no sweepers um, designated sweepers or any of that rubbish um, but it was a good performance and, and you know it, it was a terrible game like don't get me wrong it was a, it was a poor game like but it was, it was the way Kerry went about it and, and the intensity they brought to it Great stuff Tomas thanks so much for joining us Cheers, Ed. Well, Tomas covered quite a lot about the Kerry game there, Connor. Anything else to add on, on their performance? No, I was just interested to see that uh, from the team that was named, the two changes were uh, Darren Moynan or uh, uh, Donico Connor and Darren Moynan, the two young players, the two debutants. So obviously, Peter Keane is very mindful of these young players dealing with pressure. Like if they were named in the team on Friday night, all of a sudden the conversation around Kerry is these young lads everybody expecting to see them going to the match with a bit of pressure on their shoulders so obviously Keane is you know he, he's pretty mindful that um, you know the young players that are coming in off the minor teams not to be overburdening them with huge pressure because um, like the team that he named there was only one league debutant in it that was Shane Ryan the goalkeeper um, and we had all expected that what Peter Keane would do would be put in five, six, seven guys who were who were who were league debutants um, and kind of stick with them for the for the start it's of the cute year. Cute move, was actually, wasn't it? Because it was, it doing was yeah. Friday night, and there was no real angle apart yeah. from Tommy Walsh being on the bench. Because Peter Keane is a very interesting figure in the league because he has to strike a very very delicate balance um, because. Like the win yesterday was huge for him because in as much as he needs to experiment and put young players into the team because we need to see these guys you know we need to see the minor winners they can't spend another league not playing because you know the sooner they get experience the sooner they learn the sooner they become championship carry footballers but by the same token like Peter Keane can't evolve to get can't afford to get into one of those kind of tailspins the teams very easily get into in the league of losing two or three games and then all of a sudden those young players are burdened with the pressure of the Kerry public not being happy with how the team are going. And just a word on Tyrone, Michael. We were accused of not talking about them enough last week. Tyrone, so Tom, Tyrone, Tom that, mightn't yeah. forgive us for bringing them up after only two points in play in a seven point haul. But it was very disappointing because they picked a strong team and they didn't seem to attacking wise get going at all yeah I didn't see much of it now but honestly I only saw, I only saw the highlights but yeah like you would have been expecting more again you're expecting more from the attack That was that's the real that's the real kind of area that they have to work on and that's the area where you're expecting to see change but again very hard cast judgement on the first game in the league in awful conditions like it's conditions probably aren't conducive to certain styles of play as well and if they are trying something a bit kind of more proactive with different you know more attacking ball or more kick ball or more kick passing going into the forward lane it's very hard to very hard to do that in the conditions but mm. again I wouldn't they'll still they'll still be thereabouts for a league, for a league final anyway mm. and speaking of atrocious conditions on Saturday night it was James Horn's return uh, to the Mayo sideline they only beat Roscommon 1-8 to 1-7 having watched it it was a fairly dreadful game not helped by outrageous wind and, and rain down in Castlebar um, I guess the big talking point was probably the incident between Keith Higgins and I think it was Downey Smith in the build-up uh, to the to, to first half wh- uh, whistle. Looked like a, a, le- a potential eye gouge anyway. Yeah, it could be some. It could be a long ban maybe. Yeah, it didn't look good, but it, it's hard to know. It's hard to know because the problem with these things is to see them properly, you have to slow them down. And when you slow things down, th- the nature of slow motion replays. Uh, it, it tends to make it look worse, you know. You you, you see intent, like you're you're talking about the thing. Now I don't want to uh, make excuses for somebody if this w- was the case, but it didn't look good. Um, it, it, but his reaction afterwards when he went to the ground himself was it was I, I, yeah. it was fairly bad on myself. I thought too. And it the, fact, the yeah. fact that Higgins gestured to his eyes straight away to Barry Cassidy, yeah. who was the referee in the night, um, you know, it, there was no doubt that Keith Higgins, w- w- you know, was. In no two minds as to that the, the, well, the footage is pretty clear. Place. I think even when it's not slowed down personally, but yeah, it's not. It's it's not great. Yeah, yeah. it's not great. It'd be interesting to see what happens. It'd be interesting to see, like, what sort of a ban would you would you be talking there? I'd imagine that's something they're going to try. They'd want to just kind of stamp it's a out straight four away. Four offense. Yeah, it's, it, 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 yeah, it would be fairly severe. Yeah, I think yeah. it'd be fairly severe. Because yeah, they 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 won't want any part of that. They won't want any part of that. By just laying down a marker with someone, if they think it's pretty obvious that there was intent or whatever, they'll just try and nip that in the bud and make sure that something like that doesn't happen again. And for on-pitch matters, Connor, I guess James Horn was working with the crux of the team he actually left in 2014. Um, the one new player, or one of a few new players, was Brian Reap. He took a goal really nicely to kind of... In 15 get, steps. Yeah, yeah, steps notwithstanding. <laughs> uh, I think you get an extra three or four this time of the year if yeah. you're a forward and you look like you're about to pull the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. You, you think referees... Training to pull the trigger four or five times. Well, I think referees are just like, you know, 
hopefully something interesting is going to happen here and they give you yeah, this set. Yeah. But it's important for Reap and it's important for Diskin as well. It didn't go as well <coughs> that they get scores. You know what I mean? Because everybody's looking at that Mayo team saying, well, the two new players that are in it are in the inside forward line. And everyone's also looking at that Mayo team saying, well, Killian O'Connor and Andy Moore are inevitably going to be back in it. So for those young players, like if James Horan says to them, OK, you're going to play the next day and you're going to play the next day and you're going to play the next day, if they're not scoring, if they're not getting on the score sheet, if they're not performing well, then it becomes a fait accompli. They know they're only minding the jersey until O'Connor and Moore and come back into the team. So for Reap, like I thought he played, from what he saw, he, he was actually quite productive, even though like the goal was his only score. Mm. Um, but again, I'm a small bit surprised that Horn didn't kind of throw two or three newer players back into it. Like that reads fairly similar to the the championship team last year that, that lost to Kildare. But, you know, maybe that's, you know, like the fact that James, Killian O'Connor said the new when James Horan came in, that all the players would have to show for that trial that he did, even the really established players. So maybe, you know, maybe Horan is good to good to his word. Maybe he's, like, it is a blank sheet for all the players and these are just the guys who, who, who justified their place in the team for the first round of the league. And it is developing that inside forward line. That has to be top of his list. Ah, well, that's the big that's the big thing, is just maybe that they're lacking a marquee forward, should we say, but a couple of lads that will chip in with one, two or three points per game. And that's what, that's what he's trying to develop. Um, they have to get a chance in order to find out. Like Conor Loftus was kind of on and off. Evan Regan was on the other night again. He's been on and off as well and has had a couple of injuries. So like, it probably it would be good for for Diskin and Reap. It would be good if he probably stuck with them and gave them four or five games. And that you know they're not just going to be judged on last Saturday night or next weekend or whatever. That they have three or four games maybe to give it a right good go. It's but they do. They need to find someone. It's, no it's, it's funny that like Mayo supporters who are sort of quite excitable bunch in my experience like they, they really rail against this idea that they don't have enough good forwards but like the fact of the matter is over the last few years they've been indebted to Paddy Dorkin and Lee Keegan yeah. coming up from the half back line and then, trouble, then yeah. chipping in so yeah. you just need more guys who can score that's just and just we're a bit up against it for time with the football so just quickly before we move on to the hurling Connor any other results caught your eye over the weekend from the other divisions or any other teams with, that you were impressed with no like I have to say I was a small bit disappointed with Cavan just because like this endless cycle of Cavan and Roscommon going up and going back down and coming up and going back down um, you know they both lost over the weekend and, and Cavan had three black cards against Galway and they're down to 12 men at one stage yeah and like you know the thing about it is the, the terms of engagement in Division 1 are different and it's not just a case of being able to front up physically it's about being cute and being smart um, and that would indicate that Cavan just didn't really have that and they're on the back foot from early on and uh, I'd love to see the odds this morning as to what two teams would be relegated from Division 1 because it yeah, seems like a never, end, never ending cycle for these two and uh, you were at Kildare and Michael seemed to be one of the better games outside Division 1 and um, any, anything impressive there? Yeah, was, I tell you what, Kildare getting a result was impressive because they went they went five five down after about fifty one minutes after conceding a goal and a quick free, and Kevin Feely went off after eight minutes and did nine championship starters from last year not on the pitch, so to get a result in the wind up, Jimmy Highland hit a lovely free off his right and then a lovely free off his left foot. To, he's meant to be to one of their serious players. Well, he's, won he's, the fair, he's fairly nervous. He's fairly nervous anyway. Mm. I'll tell you that because it was there was didn't it were both straight over the black spot. In fairness, uh, Kieran McGinley be disappointed he didn't get a result because they had the game in their grasp and uh, one of the subs that came on missed missed a kind of blaze wide with an open goal just with 67, 68 minutes. If he hand passed it over, it would have put would have put them three scores up. So it's I think, actually a great division division too. Ah, it is, yeah, you don't, yeah, and, and like we're probably all going to beat each. Other, mm. Do you know what That's I mean? Maybe apart from one of these last day scrambles for yeah. who stays up and who goes up. You know? Yeah, and just on and West Westmead had a mad comeback against Offaly as well. I think they were eleven three down and won thirteen twelve, and that leaves that leaves Offaly in trouble in my opinion down <laughs> the other end of Division Three. Mm. Um, and again, that's Division Three is the same again. Yeah. They're all going to probably they're all probably going to beat each other as well. Yeah, it's, it's a great thing about it's, it. I think the, the average was a, on yeah. the structure and how exciting it is. Yeah, I think the, there was a three point average winning margin over the, all the divisions. Like so, there was no real hammerings or anything like that. They were all competitive games. Mm. Well, it's time to turn our attention to the Alliance Hurling League now, Michael. Um, an interesting weekend wins for Tipperary, Cor or Kilkenny rather, and Limerick. Uh, we'll start with the Tipperary game. It was the first one up on Saturday night. Liam Sheedy's return to the Premier County sideline, and Seamus Callan was in lethal form. Uh, it was a really good win for him. It was, yeah. I think the, the one thing that stood out for me was whatever about like styles of play and people talking about sweepers and stuff like that. The work rate was was phenomenal. And you talk about Callan getting scores or whatever when he chased when he chased uh, David McInerney into the field to get that hook, which led to 
Tony Kelly being sent off, that was just kind of indicative of they were just there was just bodies everywhere. Like there was no there was no Claremont got a free stroke at a ball. They'd say their hook hook block turnover count was unbelievably high. And above above anything else, above any goals or anything else, that's what'll delight Sheedy the most. Um we probably didn't learn anything about their defence realistically because Body was kind of playing in front of Carl Barrett nearly the whole of the first half. And it was like Claire were down a man for the last twenty five minutes. So we stylistically we didn't learn nothing about them. But just the, the work rate and the effort as opposed to two weeks ago when Claire like beat them well enough and scored four goals in the Munster League final is massive. What did you make of yeah, Porek Mars role? Like Derek McGraw was making a big deal about it last night on uh, on RT about him dropping back. Did you think it was that significant or uh well Claire were playing against the Gale Force Breeze in the first half and dropped a man back, so Potter Park Mara was the obvious choice for Tipperary because that's his style of play. He likes to kind of play that kind of sweeping role even when he's playing half back. So it made sense and uh, and Claire were very naive with like the ball that was the ball that was going in. He it just seemed to be to him every time. It was generally down the middle as opposed to going to the two flanks and keeping the ball away from him. But like I wouldn't call it a sweeper. I'd say it's reacting to what the other team are doing and putting your best man in place. And I was surprised Claire didn't put somebody on Parik Mar or put someone there around him to annoy him and try and leave another back free. But mm. saying that, Carl Barrett would do well in that role as well, so they're probably a bit snooker there. And I don't think they wanted to show their hand too much either, mm. to be honest with you. But uh, the sending off, sending off completely turned the game for me and it wasn't uh, wasn't a red card in my view at all. It was a collision more so than anything yeah, else. I think he was a bit high though coming in. Um, well, given what Regardless of intent, because I don't think you can approve, uh, approve intent when you're coming in at that pace on that kind of a pitch. But like the actual... The actual contact, if you just look at it, like it's definitely borderline. I, 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 I don't think. I think it's not. I think it was, last year that's a, that's a yellow all day. Yeah, this yeah. year, when they're clamping down on the the hand pass and the high challenges, we're probably going to see a good few more of them. But uh, I think you have to take into account the conditions, as you said as well. I, 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 I would not for me now to be honest with you. I don't like that's going to happen in every game. We're going to have someone sent off in nearly every game for something similar to that. If yeah, that's the case, we'll bring in Brendan Cummins on that one. Uh, join on the line, uh, Brendan. Like obviously, the red card did change the game. Um, and before we get onto Tip's performance, like, what did you make of the decision? Because it does feel like referees are being asked to make decisions about these high challenges and and punish them pretty pretty severely. Yeah, they were. <laughs> the referees um, committee decided, excuse me, that they were going to go for watch the hand pass and any high tackle, any tackle above the shoulder now that looks like it's dangerous as a straight right card, I think it's a natural reaction. If I put my hand in front of your face, your other arm is going to come up to try to stop it. It's a natural instinct. I think if Tony Kelly went in without having his arm in that position, he'd been in row Z, I'd say, of the new stand in uh, Turles because Pawdy would have come in and would have absolutely put him in. And just Pawdy, I think, would have gotten been sent off uh, for, for nearly putting Tony to sleep. So I didn't think it was a red card, but I do think it's the usual giddiness that we get at the start of the season where all the referees come out. There's assessors at every match. They're above with a clipboard ticking yes and no. Referees then sit with their colleagues probably Thursday this week. There'll be red and green buzzers, replays of decisions, and your peers then decide if it was uh, uh, if you made the right or wrong decision. So they're all the time overly, I suppose, cautious and overly playing on the rules. And I think in that case, Tony Kelly was the, was uh, was very hard luck that he got sent off. And what did you make then of Tip's overall performance? Like Michael discussed, I guess some of the things they did tactically, maybe, and also the work rate and the energy that they brought to it. I think there's a lot of uh, shadow boxing going on this time of the year. Was at that Monster League final? Tipperary had a huge amount of work done the week leading up to the game uh, so the lads were flat footed everyone said oh Tipper dead in their feet you know what's going on with him Liam Sheedy left um, Seamus Kendi that day followed Tony Kelly around the pitch he let Donamar go out the field following the Clare corner forward and let loads of room inside in front of Cahill and Paddy and Clare absolutely ran wreck Gilfoyle just went to town on Tipperary defence and then the next day, I suppose, Tiberi are fresher coming into the game. The work rate of the forward line, Mike, is 100% right on that. It absolutely changes the game around. Tiberi played with three in the full-back line. Clare decides to bring a man out around the middle. And because Tip didn't follow him, Clare looked completely divided then of what are we going to do next. And the sending off did have an effect on the game. But I think overall, Tiberi just needed to win that game more. And they did. And the freshness and the bite of Callan, you know, and Noel McGrath. Um, just absolutely meant they were way too strong for Clare. Clare, I think, will say to themselves, we've far more coming back than Tipperary have, so we'll let Tip have this one and we'll beat him later on in the summer in Ennis, so I suppose, when everybody, when it really, really counts, I suppose, is what they'll be looking at. And Connor, I guess with no relegation this year, people before this weekend were kind of 
wondering who would take the league seriously or what it would mean to different teams. And a lot of people kind of settled on Tipperary as one of the teams that would want the big league campaign after the way their 2018 finished with the disappointing league final defeat and the championship kind of collapse. So it's a step in the right direction. But do you agree with that? Is it, is it as important for Tip as any other team? Yeah, I think all the managers will have different priorities. You know, that, that's the big problem here. Uh, a lot of them, I think, would have learned lessons last year by getting caught cold when the championship arrived. Tip, like I'm sure Michael Ryan, if he sat down and spoke about last year and how it worked out, with Tipperary being one of the few counties that actually had around two rounds of club games in April in between the end of the league and the start of the championship, um, I'm sure he would have some tweaks to how we went about it. If you look at the two teams that made last year's league final, like Kilkenny were beaten in the... All-Ireland quarter-final by Limerick and Tipperary didn't even get out of Munster so it's going to be a very hard read this year it's going to be very difficult to uh, to to see where managers are coming at this from I think from just a very basic point of view the full back line is an area that Tipperary really needed to sort out this year and, and that's why it's interesting that Paddy Mar played in that role that he did like ostensibly nowadays no team plays with six forwards up the whole time so you're, you're if you have your six backs in the defensive positions you're going to have a sweeper Um and I think Paddy Maher is just the perfect person to do that. Like he, He's so good in the air, he strikes the ball so well, and he's so strong when somebody does tackle him. Uh, if you can generate him as a sweeper, he's a real interesting option. And although we didn't really catch the eye the other night, I think the return of Cahill Barrett could be a really big one for Tipperary this year because they need that pace. They need that pace in the full back line. They were caught out badly on a couple of occasions last year in the Championship, and you know he's a fella of kind of rare ability. Yeah, because Michael, if they do fix that full back line, like Seamus Callan again last night showed, their forward line is so lethal. And like Jason Ford had a really good 2018 as well, like where memory some of the other forwards didn't step up. So if they can harness that forward talent, we know they have solidified a full back line. They have a really good manager back in place. Like things do look on the outside anyway that they're huge contenders. Yeah, definitely. But when you put the forwards down on paper, you kind of find it hard to see how they won't score like 218 or, or upwards. You know what I mean? Um, I think, as Brendan said, I think there is a lot of shadow boxing going on. Like they made it, Claire made a hero out Park Marder, particularly in the first half, and like <laughs> they didn't really seem like they wanted to change in a way. Like, and the task he'll get in Ennis will be like it will be there will no way they'll allow him they'll put somebody in on him and try and move him around I'd say or try and play a two man full forward line and have space in front of him it will be poles apart from what he experienced Saturday night and I just think there is a kind of as Brennan said there's kind of a thing about teams kind of keeping their powder dry they're going to play each other minimum three times actually they'll probably play each other five times this year when you put when you look at Munster League League <coughs> Munster Championship Munster Final possibly and the All-Ireland stages as well so I just think it's a case of maybe not definitely not showing your hand because as like it's, it's no one's really going to remember Saturday night mm. come June or by August if they meet again Yeah Brennan last word on tip like what do you think their priority should be for the league in terms of how far they want to go in it or how seriously they want to take it because the last two years league final defeats have proved to be you know, kind of a harbinger of doom of what's to come later on in the summer. They have never really recovered from the manner of those defeats. So would they be better off maybe using this more to, to solidify that full backline, as we said, or, or experiment a bit more and just really focus on the Munster Championship? I think that's it in, in one. I think you need to get one to nine sorted out. And I think Liam has now identified his generals up front are going to be Jamie Callan and Noel McGrath, full forward, centre forward, captain, vice captain at the back, then the two Mahars at centre back and full back. And we'll build a team around that spine. <clears throat> Cahill Barrett certainly has been a huge addition. Tactically, Tipperary will be an awful lot smarter this year than they were last year. So they, you know, they'll have players in positions that can protect the full back line. I felt last year a lot of the problem was that the forwards work rate meant that if a half back stands up and, and looks in and he's able to plant his two feet and put the ball in, it doesn't matter what kind of a full back line you have, they're going to get absolutely cleaned. And the other night, Leem's focus will be defending from number 15 back not from number two up. And that's really the ethos of the way Lean will operate this team. And you'll see it over the course of the of the of the league now that fellows will get more and more confidence in the Tipperary backline and they'll come back to themselves where they were two or three years ago. And they'll need to because obviously everybody's going to say the tip backline, no matter how much confidence they have, are still going to be short a bit on legs. But if they're positioned right and the ball coming out is sloppy, then they're as good as anybody else. And I think that's what Lean will be banking on um, through the course of the league. Michael, we said maybe Dublin Monaghan was maybe the result of the weekend in the football. For me, I thought Cork, you know, losing so comprehensively to Kilkenny was probably the biggest surprise for me. You know, Kilkenny had a new fullback at Hugh Lawler, were missing a lot of big names. 
But some of the young players stepped up again, and, and Cork were very disappointing. Like, what did you make of that? Yeah, because funny enough, Cork actually went down and stayed in Kilkenny Saturday night, which was strange, and they were hanging around the, the Spring Hill Hotel down in Kilkenny all day. And I, it was a strange one. It was a real abject kind of performance from them. I know they were missing, like, they were missing Harnady, you know, Fitzgibbon, Mark Coleman, Connor Lehan as well. But you would have expected some of the lads that came in, like, to, to make a big impact, like, apart from Cormac Murphy and probably Patrick Horgan. Um, they, they struggled really, didn't they? And I, I when it was again when I was doing the, the team news late on Friday night, the Kilkenny team came in and I looked at the six forwards. And while you'd rate them all individually, you're wondering where where are they going to get where are they going to get like you know two seventeen, yeah. two eighteen or something to, to win a game. And they managed to do it again. And it's a funny thing, like like Billy Ryan kind of looked maybe at sea different times last year, and then a year later, like because he's played a lot of league and he's had experience and he's been taken off a few times as well. Like he looked brilliant yesterday, and he was like he, he dusted the two Cork defenders going through there for one of the when he set up a goal at one stage as well. And because they've gotten, funny enough, and I said it last week, because these boys are getting more time because the Ballyhale boys are away and maybe Killian Buckley's injured at the moment as well, and even Parik Walsh is missing. While that's a negative, their panel has been strengthened some amount by the fact that all these ads are getting game time and whatever it is with Cody that that they're. He's just able to get something out of these guys, and they just seem to be able to deliver. It's it's a phenomenal thing. They were brilliant, like they dominated, and particularly in the air, they totally dominated Cork. Um, Cork were kind of hit for six in a lot of places, and were fumbling and kind of foostering and outworked and kind of outfought. But yeah, Kilkenny, like from from like a, what looked like a nearly a hopeless position at the end of twenty seventeen, like there's a serious amount of promise for the next couple of years based on the squad that he's developed. Yeah, Conor, you mentioned they only got to the quarterfinal last year, but I guess only narrowly defeated by Limerick with with a fairly young team. So there actually is a lot of scope for them to kick on again this year. Yeah, but he just needs to find a couple of players, I think, just to be just to be certain about a couple of players. I know there's a lot of talk about Hugh Lawler and there's an awful lot of talk about Tommy Walsh as well. Uh, the two of them played in the full back line yesterday. And like if those two kind of solidify their positions alongside Paul Murphy, then all of a sudden you can release Porrick Walsh into the half-back line, which... By the highlights look like their halfback line completely dominated Cork in the air. The situation with Killian Buckley seems to be a bit of a worry insofar as nobody can say when he will be back. And he's been such an important player for them for the last two or three years. So like a couple of extra defenders are going to go a long way because a bit like what Michael said looking at the forward line, I'm just reading Vincent Hogan's report here in the Irish Independent. And of the six starting forwards, he's given two of them sevens and the rest six or less. But they still managed to score 218. Yeah. And you still have to bring back in Wally Walsh, Colin Fenley, um, TJ Richie. TJ Richie. Like you're gonna I think Richie Lai got an eight off the bench in training. Richie Lai well. got an eight <laughs> off the bench. So like I mean they're gonna have a serious forward line come the summer. Um but you know, I think I think Cody would be low to actually just, you know, drop any of even some of the younger um even some of the younger Bally Hale lads, like they're gonna need to get some sort of game time into him whenever their uh, campaign finishes. So they're going to have a serious squad come the summer. I think regardless of how they go in the league or whether they get to the final again this year, you can be a little bit more certain about Kilkenny going into this year's championship than you were this time last year. Yeah, Brennan, how would you assess the two teams, uh, not even just based on yesterday's result, uh, just in general, where they are at the moment? I think Cork have a, have a huge issue in that they need a, they need a, a man, a big, strong fellow that'll, that'll anchor <coughs> the ball in their half-forward line to allow other players to play. Patrick Horgan, like yesterday they went through burst. There was nine minutes where they failed to score. Then there was 11 minutes where they failed to score. If you take last year's All-Ireland semi-final, I would have been disappointed enough with Patrick Horgan. Um, he stayed inside in the corner. For me, he has to come out centre-forward. When Cork are under pressure or in trouble, I think they should play with two inside. Patrick Horgan comes out. Now, you are sacrificing a little bit of, right, he scores, like yesterday was 10 points, like five from play. You know, he's lethal, but I think they need to get him on the ball more often. He needs to come out himself. I compare him a little bit to Joe Canning, the way he was at four or five years ago, where he stayed in the corner. If it comes in, I'll hit the ball over the bar. If it doesn't, sure, there's nothing I could do about it. But you see what Joe, when the penny dropped with him, he comes out around the middle, he's buzzing around the place. And Patrick Horgan is an athletic man. It's not as if he's carrying any weight or anything. He's as, he's as strong around there and as fit as anybody else and I think that's what Cork need they need somebody out around that that middle third who'll get on the ball when there's a crisis and when they're not scoring and change the momentum of the game Kilkenny do what Kilkenny do they grind you out it just seems like you have to go to hell and back to get to Jersey and when you get a chance to play in it then you just it, it reflects the effort every day that you put in to get it the way you play 
And I mean, that's been the model that's gotten Brian Cody so much success. But I've no doubt if the game of hurling, you couldn't hit the ball over shoulder high, Cork would win every All-Ireland for the next three or four years. But unfortunately, that's not the way we play the game. So they need to get, like I said, a man, a big, strong fella that'll win ball, dirty ball, put his hand up, get a few hurdles broken off him and hand it to some of the shooters until they find that. And I don't see anybody that'll do that for him outside of Seamus Harnity. But until they find that, I think Cork are going to struggle later on in the summer um, when the when the real pressure comes on them. And to wrap up Division 1A, Michael Limerick getting a narrow win over Wexford. Wexford rallied really well at the end and they hit the things at the post going into injury time. But uh, like a statement of intent from Limerick to name such a strong side. Like I think the, the guts of that All-Ireland winning team was back there to, to play. And some of their young players already looked, they've moved on well. Like Aaron Gallant put in a really good display, took his goal really well. Like they're just scratching the surface of their potential. Big time, yeah. I think it was 11 of last year's All-Ireland final winning team. Uh, what surprised me as well was their, their conditioning. Like, if anything, Gerard Hegarty's after getting like even more physically strong by the looks of him from last year and even a couple more. Sammy Flanagan doesn't look any smarter. No, he definitely doesn't. Emptying no, people yeah. in the All-Ireland final last <laughs> and, year. And uh, they just, um, at the end of the game, it was just like, they, they they really wanted to win the game. Do you know what I mean? And they definitely, they won't be taking their foot off during the league and none of them can afford to because I get the sense off John Kylie that given the strength of the panel that he has, if you're not performing, someone else is going to come in and it's not a case of, he's not going to remember last year and go with someone based on you know previous performances. Their panel is too strong, so they'll be putting their foot to the floor, and they're they're like they're probably a bit behind with what they've done. They, they didn't look like it, but um, I think they'd be delighted with Chester going down to Wexford and getting a result. Um, and on account on the flip side of it, like Wexford would be disappointed because they probably would have earmarked that as one of the games, particularly at home, that they would have got a result in. But uh, there was plenty of drama in it as well. In fairness. Yeah, Brendan, Limerick look really well set up to defend their All-Ireland title. You know, as Michael mentioned, they, they look in great condition already for this time of year. John Coyley seems to have managed it well. And the players, even though it was a 45-year wait, they, they do seem to have gotten back to business pretty quickly. They have, yeah. And I suppose they're, they're, they're a real tight-knit group um, first to the, to the Limerick panel there. And Again, though, the, the test will really come later on in the year. If you, if you notice in Tipperary, we went to defend our, our title there. We played Dublin above in Crow Park and everyone said how great Tip were that night and they're moving freely and all that. So I think John Kiley has decided, right, we'll, we'll put our best foot forward the first couple of league games, I'd reckon. We'll get some heavy training into the legs and get set up because no matter what way we dance around this league, all that matters to any of these managers, top three in Leinster, top three in Munster, and everything else is only just trying to find players to get a bit of form, find a couple of lads you can bring on as subs, but everything is is all focused towards that, and there'll be peaks and troughs, like Limerick could take, like Tipperary could go to Limerick next again and win by five or six points, the narrative on the Monday will be all oh, Limerick are in big trouble and all that, <laughs> I just think there will be peaks and troughs for teams along, it all depends on when their, their training programme means they can play freely, or their training programme means the week of the match they've loaded up and they look heavy-legged but so far I think Limerick have decided they want to win their first game because you might as well win it and, and get people off your back and uh, you, it allows you a bit of freedom then to, to go on the rest of the league and, and see how it pans out for you. Yeah, Connor, are you going to take anything away from this Limerick-Wexford game? No, I thought that Limerick might have had a problem at full-back without Mike Casey um, but I think Sean Finn just kind of slotted in there. I don't know how how sort of big an effort Wexford went to, to kind of go at that and try and, and try and expose it but um, like it's just it's an impressive show because whatever about coming back as returning All-Ireland champions you know when you're Limerick and it, it, you know it was such a significant All-Ireland for the county um, and, and again like they're not we're talking about Dublin earlier and, and they're not long back from their team holiday either and um, they look like they were kind of up for the battle like Wexford Park is not the sort of place you want to be going for the first round of the league or maybe it is maybe that's exactly where you want to go to see uh, what sort of headspace yeah, your players are in but um, like again Galan like what a finisher he is he, he, he looked absolutely sensational yesterday and probably what I'm sure in Wexford Park wasn't exactly an ideal day for hurling and Michael just to touch on 1B now your county awfully a very disappointing defeat I think with 227 yeah, to 7 points yeah, yeah. um yeah, like Shane Dooley, as I said before, when Shane Dooley and Joe Bergen retire or aren't playing for Offaly, like we really struggled. Like, and you're gonna struggle to hit double figures in scores. That's just that's just the nature of it. But like scoring seven, two from play over seventy plus minutes, it's just yeah, it's it's fairly dark now to be honest with you. Like, and everyone would have said that going down to Joe McDonough or whatever to come straight back up 
they're gonna they're gonna they'll be hard pressed to get to a final. It'll be t- it will that will that's gonna be so competitive. They'll do well to get to a final the way things are going because they've lost a lot of bodies because this kind of general kind of apathy has set in now where everybody thinks within Offaly and this is the way it is everybody in Offaly thinks they're in a bad position and that kind of is nearly spreading to the squad and spreading to lads that could be in there and a lot of lads aren't going in and you'll find like last year's captain David King's not in the two Garrity's from Kilcormack that were on it last year aren't in Conor Matten was late back in I think Joe Bergen and Shane Dooley have knocks and aren't, won't play the first couple of rounds like yeah it's, it's, not, it's not good and without being smart that was half of a Waterford team half of a Waterford team and this time last year, after they beat Dublin in the first game of the league, remember the, the positivity? There was Tear, a, tears. Tears in Michael Dygdon's eyes. Yeah, it's a, it seems a long way from that. Ah, but sure, it is a, it is a long yeah. way. Like, because, like, but they would have had they would have had everyone on board then and would have had a serious block of training. Like, without being smart, like, they were struggling to get 25 or 26 in on the squad, like, at the start of the year. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be difficult. I think it's Dublin the next day as well. Which is not going. That's not going to get any easier. Mm. The leash game in Omar Park in the third round is massive, because um, it looks like Carlo have have kicked on a small bit. Um, you can't base that too much on the the result against Dublin, but they seem to perform pretty well. But it looks like it looks like they've kicked on a small bit and awfully have regressed a bit. Well, I was going to bring in Connor just before we wrap up on my Carlo Dublin game. They were two points ahead at half time. Looked like a shot could be on the cards. Um, Dublin pulled away. I think to win by uh, seven or eight points in the end. Uh, Impressions of the of the first league game for there. Well, just on Carlo briefly, like they, they they're definitely a team making serious progress. So I, I saw their Division Two A final last year because uh, it was on before the the Kula and the Persic game in 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 Omore Park, and they were really really good that day. And it struck me how how big they are. They're huge. They've an awful lot of huge men, particularly across the half forward line. Uh, their half forward line on Saturday night was absolutely enormous. Like Chris Crummy looked small, you know, like playing wing half back, and that doesn't happen very often. And just before I talk about Dublin, like they're playing Galway next week in Dr. Cullen Park. It might be the biggest collection of hurlers that were ever put in a picture of all time <laughs> because I saw Sean Blahan who's in the Galway half forward line. He's a huge yeah. man as yeah. well. So the huge man, but um now the the conditions were horrendous on Saturday. Like it's hard to overstate that. Um like you were in danger of losing the ball if it hopped hard into a particularly muddy part of it. But uh, Dublin brought on a couple of subs. Uh, like you were nearly better off half going for a ball standing back and waiting for your man to make a mistake and lift it because like both like obviously the Dublin players are keen to impress Maddie Kenny so you can only you know go for a ball on its merits but this people were slipping and sliding and miscontrolling it and I think the two players that came on for Dublin Danny Sutcliffe and Donald Burke kind of had learned a little bit from watching the first half because Burke was kind of going for the ball at 80% pace and when he got it he was only half turning and, and putting it over the bar and Sutcliffe's first four touches were absolutely sublime he was taking puck outs down off his stick and he set up three points uh, and he nearly had one himself so I think look for Carlo it was a good night because they knew that physically and in every other way they, they actually put it up to Dublin they just didn't really have the bench to kick on and their goalkeeper uh, I think Brian Tracy four point blank says were really really good um, but from a, from a Dublin perspective uh, I think Maddie Kenny just needed the win because um, uh, you know they've got Offaly as we said next week in Tullamore um, and then they've a week break and then they've got the two big ones Waterford and Galway and I wouldn't be surprised if all their training is based around having that panel fresh because they've 24 players involved in the Fitzgibbon Cup at the moment like it's a huge number of players It's set up well for them the way it falls yeah, isn't it in it fairness is, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, the, the, I, like I don't think they'll be at full state again like they've a lot of players playing on Wednesday Thursday this week in the Fitz but uh so I think with the week break after the Offaly game, regardless of how that goes, I think I think they're Dublin are one of these things we're talking about priorities. I think Maddie Kenny wants to have a crack at as many of the elite counties as possible. Uh, and if he can get a result against Galway or Waterford or both, and then you would expect Dublin to be in the top four. Um, and then I think Dublin are one of these counties that will actually value making a run to the quarterfinal, the semi-final, to play Division 1A teams. But there's a four-place going in the league quarterfinals, and it's one, you would imagine, from Carlo, Leash, and Offaly. And I wouldn't be in the least bit surprised if Carlo actually got it. Well, a lot of the games to look forward to over the next few weeks, and thanks to Connor and to Brennan for joining us. And Michael, just before we wrap up here, we're going to do our performance of the weekend in football and hurling. It's going to be a regular slot on the throw. And now, now that we have, you know, guaranteed at least two shows, maybe three, we can bring start bringing in these these little gimmicks. Uh, so, for you, who was the hurling performance of the weekend? I kind of probably went under the radar because they were subsequently given a penalty after, but 
Colin Gilfoyle got a point with Colin, like Colin Barrett definitely had one arm, one of his arms behind his back at the time and he just controlled it out in front of one hand and flicked it over kind of like Peter Duggan-esque almost yeah. like but it kind of and he was raging after that it, I'd say he was raging after that it wasn't allowed to be at honest at least they caught it on camera yeah also, it was yeah. caught on camera yeah, but that was a that was a fantastic score and subsequently got a penalty from it yeah that was that was an amazing score particularly in the conditions the other night it was just atrocious and football football um yeah, as Tomas said, Sean O'Shea's sideline was just outrageous in fairness. Like as particularly like this time of the year to do that is just is just mad, yeah. And the outside of the right, it was it was so Morris Fitzgerald-esque, like yeah, it was a fantastic score. And that's just a little glimpse of like what he what he's gonna do over the next ten years. It's a great photo of it in today's paper as well. They just caught it perfectly the angle of it. Yeah, yeah, it's mad. And like if you if you had a camera would say behind the ball, like the ball is going like fifteen yards wide on the left and then just starts to tail back in on the right, like it's great. It's, a, it's an amazing skill to be able to do. I'll give my football performance of the weekend to Monaghan, I think 21-year-old Stephen O'Hanlon, whose introduction off the bench kind of changed that game against Dublin, who I, I'll confess I wasn't overly familiar with until this weekend. No, first year, first year in the panel. Yeah, 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 yeah so some, some debut. And my hurling performance of the weekend was, I was actually pretty astounded when I saw this. It's actually going to a former manager, Derek McGrath, he, I'd say he's probably lost two or three stone to be fair to him since he's he in phenomenal he was, shape I, you yeah, would almost yeah. not recognise him and, and just on that that, that Alliance League programme that, that's every Sunday evening like he just brings such a different kind of a critical edge to it he's the ideal pundit in that he picks out things that very few people are on the level that could pick out the stuff that he picks out. It's great, and he speaks in Shakespearean terms. He does. As well. You can tell he's yeah. an English teacher. You yeah. know, he's dropping in these very eloquent phrases and words that he wouldn't normally. So not to say you know the other hurling pundits are incapable of being as erudite as him, but you know he drops in these words that are very sophisticated. For any like fanatics or anything like that, there's a there's a 36 minute video going around of Derek McGrath's presentation at the the GA coaching conference, and it's just yeah, it's for anyone that's a bit of a coach and not or anything like that, it's brilliant. You'd always he's the sort of guy you'll always learn something from, even if you're only chatting him to to him for a minute or two. Mm. Well, Michael, week two in the books. A lot of stuff covered. Thanks so much for joining. Cheers, Will. Good man. That's all we have time for in the throne this week in association with Allianz. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another podcast reviewing all the weekend's action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye. Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues.